0: I'm going to read our passage today from Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, and we'll begin in verse 18, one of the classic passages in the New Testament on the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. 518, this is God's Word to you, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is God's Word. Please be seated. All righty, church, let me remind you of the structure of this passage, because sometimes uh, kind of the grammar matters more than others. There's one basic command at the outset, be filled with the Spirit. And then underneath that, there are four participial phrases, four participles, I-N-G words that elaborate what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Here they are, reminding you again. Be filled with the Spirit is the main charge. And then Four signs of that. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks to God always and for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Four things about being filled with the Spirit. Now, from time to time, you may hear someone talk about, well, is that a Spirit-filled church church? Or maybe even, are you a Spirit-filled Christian? If you go by the Bible, here are the signs of being filled with the Spirit. And by the way, it is always a good idea to go by the Bible. So let's do that. And here they are. Here's the one passage that really lays it out there for us. Four signs addressing one another in the Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Making music to the Lord, singing, making music, giving thanks to God, submitting to one another, having an attitude of servanthood, gentleness, and humility to one another. That's it. Those are the four signs. Not if you're a gifted teacher, singer, uh, you have certain sign gifts, but basics of worship, thanksgiving, and submitting to one another. It is interesting that two of the four involve worship and singing. One of them involves giving thanks. So really the the first three involve worship and uh, prayer and giving thanks to God. And then the fourth one, horizontal relationships, submitting to one another. Do not get drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now that is a bit of an odd combination at the start. You know, just, okay, now why does He, if He's going to charge you with being filled with the Spirit, why does He... First, warn you against, and contrast that with being drunk with wine. Well, it's not so clear to me, but we do know that by drinking too much wine or alcohol, we say that what one could become under the influence. In fact, we got the little phrase DUI, driving under the influence. So, if you drink too much alcohol, You're going to be under the influence of alcohol, and you might be acting unnaturally. Now, contrast that. If you're filled with the Spirit, the point is you're going to be under the influence of the Spirit. And hopefully you will act not unnaturally or not even naturally, but supernaturally. Because you've got the Spirit of God inside you. Now, think with me about this. The God that we were praying to just a few minutes ago, who created Hundreds of billions of galaxies with His mere breath. I mean, He is so great, we cannot comprehend it. That God is inside you. At the moment you trust Christ as your Savior, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and other passages, the Spirit of God comes inside you. God is in you. And what the Bible teaches is that we need to be filled repeatedly, continually with the Spirit. It's not so much that we need more of the Spirit, but that the Spirit needs more of us. To be filled with the Spirit is really going to assume that you are empty of self. Now, that's a hard thing to do, because the great rival for God in the human heart is self, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of self. And to be empty of self, you can be filled with God, filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery. That word debauchery, not a normal word that we use, has the connotations of sexual sin. And there's no question that alcohol at times goes with sexual sin. Not always, but it does at times. So don't live your life that way, but rather be controlled, be under the influence, be surrendered, be yielded, be obedient, be led by the Spirit of God. Friends, this is the normal Christian life, be filled with the Spirit. This is the age of the Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, we see at times that David, you might read, is filled with the Spirit or by the Spirit, somebody did this or that. But Jesus promised right before, the night before he was crucified, when I leave, there's going to be another helper come, the Spirit of God. And it happened. Fifty days later, after the, the cross, resurrection of Jesus, uh. The church was gathered in a prayer meeting, which is uh, no surprise that God does things in prayer times. And God pours out His Spirit. It's Pentecost, it's called. It's Acts 2. And ever since then, we have been in the age of the Spirit. Now, here God tells you and me, be filled with the Spirit. He doesn't say be full of the Spirit because it's a present tense, uh, meaning continual action. It's not just a one-time thing. That you, as a new Christian, you fully surrender, and that's it, because here's the problem is that when you're filled with the spirit, you tend to leak at times, and so do I. So this is not a one-time deal. This is a continual: be filled with the spirit. be under the influence of the Spirit, being controlled by the spirit. You know, if I'm um, uh, doing fine walking with God, and Gail does something to upset me, and I kind of lash out at her, you know? Um, I was not under the influence of the Spirit there, was I? And I probably needed to do something like this. Just, Lord, I'm so sorry. And I also need to go to Gail and apologize. I'm so sorry. Lord, would you fill me afresh with your Spirit? Thank you for the grace that I have in Jesus. Would you fill me afresh with your Spirit? In fact, that's a good prayer to regularly pray. Lord, fill me afresh with your Spirit. Even when you hadn't sinned or messed up, just, Lord, I need a fresh filling. Uh, empty of self, filled With God, that is the point. That means we're yielded, surrendered, uh, influenced by, empowered. Um, Is there a formula to get filled with the Spirit? Uh, No, is the short answer. There is hardly a formula in the Christian life. The Christian life is not reduced to mechanisms or formulas. It is a relationship with a person, our God. And so it is a matter of heart. Not a matter of technique or words or rituals. It is a matter of heart. Lord God, I need you to take over my life. And so you surrender, you obey, you um, depend upon the Spirit of God. He empowers you, He changes you, He transforms you. Think about a sailboat on a big lake, and you're out in the middle of that sailboat. And, and the wind comes along, and a big gust of wind fills the sails and empowers the boat forward. That's the filling of the Spirit. We are filled with the Spirit, and we're empowered forward. We can, we've got a power that we didn't have before. There is a classic movie, uh, probably one of the top ten greats in uh, most top hundred lists, called African Queen. Some of you know African Queen, Humphrey Bogart, Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn plays a missionary in the middle of Africa. Humphrey Bogart is a rather rough and gruff uh, riverboat captain who needs to rescue her out because there's war breaking out in Africa. Now, he rescues her, but in a three- or four-day voyage down to get safety, that boat, that voyage has all kinds of problems. A pipe, a bus, a propeller, brakes, uh, there's some severe rapids. There's a German fort. They got to kind of get by without getting shot. There's some problems, but the biggest problem of all, if you've seen the movie, comes at the end of the movie, right before they kind of get to safety and the British ship rescuing them, is that they come to a place that is a, a dry. Well, it's not dry. It's, it's marshy. It's mucky. There's seaweed everywhere, and they get stuck there. They get mired in the muck, and they cannot go anywhere. There's no power and they, they get out, and they're trying to push and pull, and, and, and there is no power, and they are exhausted in the efforts. And no doubt, the Humphrey Bogart character feels like a failure. Friends, when I saw that at one point, I thought that is, can be a parable of the Christian life, that so often we can be out there mired in the muck, and we're not having victory over this sin or that addiction, and we want to, you know, change in this area of our life, and we're defeated and frustrated and get exhausted. And a lot of Christians give up and stop walking with God and pursuing God, and they barely come to church and never read their Bibles. They give up because there is no power there. Friends, if you are living the Christian life, Trying hard to please God, that doesn't work if you're trying hard in your own power. Not by might, by power, but my Spirit, says the Lord. God has given us a resource that is essential for us, and that resource is God Himself, God the Spirit inside us. So no magic formula, but dependence, uh, emptiness of self, surrender, it's, it's the attitude of this, okay, I'm struggling with jealousy for this person over here, and it's just really bothering me uh, for several days, and I'm, I'm praying about it, and I just have no victory over it, and I'm struggling with my jealousy. Ever been in that kind of place with sin? Of course you have. If you hadn't, that's a bigger problem because you're not even struggling. Well, okay, I'm struggling, but then I admit to God something very basic. God, I cannot change myself, but you can. You can. You can. And so, Lord, I'm not going to do this by my pushing and pulling this boat. I'm mired in the muck. But, Lord God, I need the power of your Spirit to transform me. That is the Christian life. That's how God's wired us. Uh, We live in the age of the Spirit. Uh, uh, The spiritual life can only be lived with supernatural power, the power of God The Spirit. And so let me remind you this morning what you each one know if you've been in the scriptures or in church, hardly at all, is that living in dependence and surrender to the Spirit of God is the only way to live a a triumphant Christian life. All righty, at this point, he gives four signs of being Spirit filled, four results. Let's unpack them just a bit more. Than I did earlier. That first sign is to address one another or addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Okay, first of all, there is no distinction between those three terms. So let's don't kind of say, okay, that's the hymns, this is the choruses, and that's something else. There's just no distinction. They're used interchangeably. Here's the point, very emphatically, threefold emphasis. Uh, You're going to be addressing God in your singing and in your worship. Now, this is a little bit puzzling. Because don't, when we worship, don't we come to God and sing to God? Yes, we do. But inherently, we address one another implicitly. It's just part of it. Uh, This morning, several hours ago, I was out there praying. And I do what I do every morning when I pray. Part of that time, I worship. And I've got an old Rich Mullen song that's just about invariably part of my worship. And I'm singing. And it is good. I I like it. I enjoy it. I think God enjoys it. And uh, we have a good time with it, but when I come here with you, may I say particularly on Wednesday nights, and the Spirit of God is thick in the room because believers are gathered in the name of Jesus, and people are expressing their heartfelt words, it is a whole different level. I mean, the power of that, the encouragement that I get implicitly, it it is a different uh, situation because God made us for community not just in small group, but also in corporate worship. And there's a power there as we dress one another. Sometimes the songs are addressed to one another explicitly. Earlier we sang this song, how great is our God, sing with me. Wouldn't y'all like it if I could had a good voice, I could just sing that out? Not going to happen. How great is our God, sing with me and how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Now, when I'm singing that to God, uh, others around me, they're hearing me express that, how great is our God, isn't He so great? So sometimes we explicitly uh, address one another, but mostly our, our, our worship is vertical, we're singing directly to God, and others are implicitly encouraged. Second one in verse 19b, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So this is vertical. This is directly uh, singing to God, expressing our heart to the Lord with your heart. Most of our songs, I'd say, I don't know, three-fourths, four-fifths are are vertical. We're singing directly to God. In fact, we sing to the Lord with your heart. Uh, With your heart, that implies it, it comes from your heart and not just your mouth. That is, you mean it when you say it. In Matthew 15, Jesus um, said some sobering words. He was talking to the religious leaders, and he he said this. He was quoting Isaiah. He said, well, let me get it right. He said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that sobering. Could that happen to me? You bet it could. When would that happen to me if I'm here and my mind is a thousand miles away while my voice is singing? Just mouthing the words. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We don't want to be like that. Worship is not a ritual. Here at Woods Edge, worship is not the preliminary before we get to the main event, the message. Not at all. Uh, Worship is when we are expressing our love, adoration, and praise to our great God. It is uh, as important as anything. Um, singing to the Lord. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Um, notice that it's singing making melody to the Lord. Do you know in the New Testament, whenever you say the Lord, invariably it refers to Christ or Jesus, for example. Sometimes it's linked with the name Jesus, as in verse 20, uh, the next verse where it says, uh, for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's explicit, but even if it's just Lord, invariably it refers to to Jesus or Christ. In the Old Testament, uh, Lord is going to refer to God. In the New Testament, to God the Son. We are singing To the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, that is the sort of natural way the New Testament treats the Trinity. It doesn't have a passage where it's kind of lined up like a theological book. These are all the proofs for the deity of Christ. It just assumes it, just like the sky is blue on a clear day. And it's just there all through if you look for it. In fact, I'm going to show you another uh, example of that a little bit later. All right, singing, making music to the Lord with all your heart. Now, the first two signs of being filled with the Spirit, involved worship and singing to God. Isn't that interesting? Ninety-eight times in the book of Psalms alone, God commands us to sing to the Lord, sing a new song, sing a song of praise to God. Why this incredible emphasis on singing and music and worship to God? Well, several reasons. Show me a worshiper of God, and I will show you a lover of God. Show me a lover of God, and I will show you a worshiper of God. That is how we express with our voices our profound love for Jesus. It just goes together. Also, do you know that there's something about the human wiring that music affects us differently than the spoken word? Is there any wonder that any country station is going to have a thousand love songs on there? Because it is not enough just to say your love. You've got to sing your love. Uh, there is a power with music and singing that touches the soul in a way that the spoken word or even the written word does not. Some of you are skeptical you're thinking, yeah, it's just not me. I'm not into the worship. I'm hearing the message. You know, I barely come in here for the worship. That's not that's not God's heart for this. God made your pastor someone with zero musical ability. <laughs> and when a couple of folks say, but I don't think that person was singing in in tune or on pitch or something, I have no idea what they're talking about. I've never heard in tune in my life. It all sounds the same. So I'm not a musician. And I think God gave you as a pastor, uh, gave your your pastor this uh, dearth of musical ability to show you it's not about musical ability or gift or personality. It is about obeying the voice of God to express to Him in song your heart of love and worship. Um... There is nothing I do with my relationship with God that is richer and more powerful than singing to Him. And I don't even know what it means to be in tune. Brook no excuse. This is a matter of heart. And God has called us to worship Him with all of our hearts, including worship Him with song. One of the writers that I particularly enjoy is J.I. Packer. If there's ever a, a writer who would be considered kind of a uh, cerebral, intellectual, kind of all brain, no heart kind of a writer, he really doesn't have no heart, but he's an intellectual writer. J.I. Packer wrote the book Knowing God, which I strongly recommend as every Christian read. I've gone through it 10 times now, and I'm going to keep reading it the rest of my life. It is so good. Now, J.I. Packer, here's this intellectual uh, oxford phd and he once said this about worship and singing he said i've experienced god's presence more most powerfully in worship often during the singing i suppose because when we sing to him we are looking hard in his direction friends there is a power to it do you know that this is when you connect with god most closely and this is what you need for soul restoration now some of us are looking forward to the Texans football game this afternoon You can go there and see the start. I got it on tape. I'll see it a little bit later. But uh, let me tell you, no football game ever touched your soul. It's fine, but it was cotton candy. This worship touches the soul at a deep level and connects you with the God who made you, and there is nothing like it. Friends, God is calling us to be worshipers. It goes with, being filled with the Spirit. All right, thirdly, giving thanks, notice how emphatic he is, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that's pretty strong. Always in everything? I don't think that means, I mean, it's over literal to say if you get raped or you get um, somebody you love gets murdered that you thank God for that, but in that situation, you can give thanks. And you can give thanks for hard things that you go through. When your car breaks down 45, I mean, you know, that'd be the worst. But where is the biblical believer who, Lord, as hard as this is, thank you for this situation. Thank you for this flat tire. There's an old story about a a, a biblical scholar by the name of Matthew Henry, and he was robbed uh, one night on the street. And that night, in his diary, he wrote something that was later found. And this is what he said. Notice his thankfulness about getting robbed. He said, I am thankful that during these years I have never been robbed until now. Also, even though they took my money, they did not take my life. And although they took all I had, it was not much. Finally, I'm grateful that I also, that, that it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. He found four things to give thanks about. Friends, this is what people of faith do in their life. They are not complainers about what we don't have, about what somebody else has. They are grateful people for God's mercy and grace to me. Now, you know, the enemy of this is pride. Proud people are not grateful people because they're always upset and feel like they are due more. God's holding back on me. But grateful people, grateful people, uh, that's worship. It's worship again. Really, the first three are worship. Lord, thank you. Is this, is this the way you live your life? That washing machine breaks down? You, you're you're going to give thanks? Uh, certainly all the good things, uh, but even the tough things. You can give thanks and everything to the Lord Jesus Christ in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. One more. Oh, wait wait a minute. One more thought about that one. Um, Secular research has shown that the most, uh, that the emotion that produces mental health and emotional health more than anything is gratitude. Secular research, Hans Selye. Um, No wonder God tells you, commands you, Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. There was an, an old theologian who said this, if anyone would tell you the shortest, surest way to all happiness, they would tell you to make it a rule to thank and praise God for everything that happens to you. For it is certain that whatever seeming calamity befalls you, if you can thank and praise God for it, you will turn it into a blessing. All righty, church, we've been reminded by God this morning that this is the way I'm going to live always in a spirit of thanksgiving. One more. Fourth, submitting. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Our same word is out of fear for Christ. It's often translated and usually translated that way. I think fear of Christ is a little stronger. Now, neither one one involves a, a cringing fear. That's not the way we fear God but it involves this sense of awe and respect that He is the great God, and I better do what He says because He's the Lord God Almighty. And He says, submit to one another because of the fear of Christ. This is not just a human thing that we submit to one another, that we walk in gentleness and humility and servanthood uh, rather than in arrogance and and harshness and uh, trying to dominate. This is a spiritual thing before God. We submit to one another in the fear of God. Uh, by the way, all through the Old Testament, you know the phrase, it's uh, fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord, fear of God, referring to God. In the New Testament, notice what it says here, in the fear of Christ. Again, the way the New Testament treats the deity of Jesus is just assuming it, uh, just as part of the most natural thing there is, easily substituting God for Christ, or Christ for God. All right, submitting to one another. Now, this has a general sense that we all submit to each other in a sense of humility and servanthood. That's true. But the verb is specifically used for submitting to those who uh, have some authority over you. And that's what he's talking primarily about here because he's going to give you three examples right after that. Wives submit to husbands. We're going to tackle that controversial subject, next Sunday, be here. And then children to parents, no controversy there, <laughs> submit to them. And then slaves to, to masters, and that day, of course, the only equivalent in our day would be employees to employers. There's a sense of authority. But we all get authority. We know that um, uh, there are people with authority over us. Let me tell you what happened to me this past week. Uh, this past week I was riding my bicycle at Burroughs Park. Burroughs Park is between here and Tomball, and it's, um, there's a two-mile road that goes right down the, the, the middle of it, and there is a stop sign about halfway down. So I, I ride my bike about three miles to get to Burroughs Park from Creekside, and then I'm heading down the park uh, park main park road, and uh, there's not much traffic there so I can go fast and not many turns, and so it's good, and I can really get out and get a good workout. Well, there is that one stop sign, but, but I have reason that, well, it's just a park, and uh, you, you know where it's going, don't you? It's just a park, and, and there's not many cars out there, and it, you know it's probably no big deal. I probably can just ride my bike right through that. That's, it's for exercise, so that's what I do. I I ride my bike, sail right through those stop signs. Well, about Wednesday or Thursday this week, I'm out there riding my my bike, and and I'm coming up towards the stop sign, and and there is a police car parked at the stop sign because he just arrived and stopped and is going on. So I've got to make a decision in about two seconds. Do I do what I normally do and sail through the stop sign, or do I very politely, gently stop at that stop sign? Well, I sail through that stop sign. And immediately heard the burst of a siren, which a siren, which meant "come here, son." <laughs> Actually, he was about 20 years younger than me, so "come here, sir," and uh, and so I bike over to him, and we have a little conversation. And uh, you know, in, in Montgomery County, there, there's an agreement that bikers can just kind of put a quick foot down, and that's enough at stop signs. But I'm in Harris County now; just crossed the line. At, Spring Creek, and so I'm, I'm not in, in Montgomery County. I said, well, you know, I know it's this way in Montgomery County. Is that okay here? And, and he said, um, you know, I don't care whether or not you put your foot down or not as long as you stop. Follow the rules of the road. Do you know what I said to him? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's exactly what I said. And I backed on. He's 20 years younger than me, but he had authority over me. And I said, yes, sir. I didn't want that ticket. So uh, uh, there is authority, and we submit to them. We submit these relationships. Now, there is a general sense that we all have this attitude of servanthood, humility, a gentleness about us, and uh, not a harshness, strident spirit. If you're filled with the Spirit, not only will you be a worshiper of God with your singing and your thanksgiving, but you will have a humble, gentle spirit horizontally. Now church, I wonder for you what God's saying to you this morning, what the Spirit of God is nudging you about. Um, Which of these points did you feel like God kind of grabbed you here? Oh yeah, that's for you. Did it involve emptying yourself and and not living for yourself and and rather being full of the Spirit, full of God? Do do some of you try to um, Uh, Fill your life, the emptiness in your life with alcohol or drugs or money or shopping or food or exercise or career or sports or something else. Is that what you're looking for to really fill the empty place? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Maybe it is something about worship. And singing and an attitude and perspective on worship. And and not, uh, you know, listening to the lie of Satan, well, I'm just not a worshiper. Uh, Maybe it's an attitude of thanksgiving, of continually giving thanks. Maybe it involves an attitude of submission to people because of the fear of Christ. What's God saying to you? Obey Him. Obey Him. Stand with me, please. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Friend, He died for you because He loves you. He loves you more than you could ever know. And if you will humble yourself, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner, then Jesus Christ will come into your life and save you. He'll do it right now. Friend, most of us, uh, most of us have done that and Uh, We need to be filled with the Spirit all the time and let God be the one taking over our lives. Lord, give us grace. Give us grace. Help us. Fill us afresh with your Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen.